Yeah! <laughs> my, my throat my throat feels... I didn't get a... Like, I didn't have a good... Um, when we were chanting Om in yoga this morning, I didn't have a... Like, a, I couldn't hit, like, a steady note. My throat feels a little scratchy. But, um, nevertheless, we will... We will persist with Corporate Lunch episode 79. Sam and Rachel, welcome back. Hey. Thank you. Happy New Year. Thank you Was for Was it hard to do this back. alone with no one recording? Yeah. The last few episodes were just me by myself. Um, wait, what? Not recorded because Sam wasn't here. So you just talked into an empty microphone. The problem is when Sam goes away, which he does on occasion, we can't make episodes of Corporate Lunch. We don't know how to do it without him. Okay, so it's my fault that we've had uh, 100%. this long hiatus? Look, it's never good to blame um, people, but th- that's absolutely your fault. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, well, but it's not going to apologize. It has kind of your it's fault. It's 2020. <laughs> this is the 2020 Vision episode. This is the fashion episode. Every episode is the fashion episode. We There's all just... There's a giant piece of foil behind us, which makes me think, you know, this is the future. Yeah, we're in the content tower. I think that's actually one of the one of the ceiling panels that fell down. Sometimes parts of the ceiling fall off. This isn't the this isn't the Four Seasons. This is One World Trade Center. This is an office building. Right. There's a difference between one and four. Yeah. Which is three. This is one seasons. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So we all just got back. Sort of just got back, or we all had recent. fashion journeys into into the the big abyss of trends ideas novelty progression famous walks mm-hmm. regular walks mm-hmm. color stories silhouettes palettes paillettes sequins textures colors so with all that in mind <laughs> we're back we're back in action we're back in the stewed for episode 79 we're just here trying to make sense of it all fall yeah. 20 collections just went down we're here to bring you uh, the hot takes and, and cold sandwiches that you you crave more than anything. Rachel, why don't you break down, give us the breakdown, the, give us the 30,000 foot view. Is that what you they You want 30,000 words? Yeah, give me yeah, 30,000 no view on, no words problem. on um, what um, you had for breakfast. What I would say, as you know, I don't eat breakfast, but when it comes is to- Is this intermittent fasting or this is just natural life rhythms? It's just natural life rhythms. I'm sure there are a lot of people who don't eat breakfast and they should DM Sam Hine. I was just mm-hmm. going to say, especially like give him your whole your whole daily- Routine. Yeah, your Grub Street diet. Right. Yeah. And your sex diary. Combine them into one written piece. Yeah, that narrative. just tells us everything we need to know, plus your skincare routine. And pictures. Yeah. Of both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Send some light amateur pornography, please. <laughs> Um, I guess I would say the general theme or the takeaway from this season, I thought, was this overwhelming feeling. I mean, that's kind of a, an ironic thing to say, but this like really strong feeling of restraint and uh, not quite understatement, but just sort of like pulling things back. You know, like a lot of the shows didn't feel like super styled. They didn't feel overly merchandised. Like each look was kind of selling like one thing at a time and i think that that really started at but i started to really pick up on that at prada but it seemed like a lot of um a lot of other sort of uh shows also had a a similar feeling which was just really refreshing it just felt like it was less about hype and more about like okay how do i make like just a handful of really good bags or a handful of really good coats or like two or three silhouettes instead of like you know, uh, 20 silhouettes in one show or something. That's, I feel like your comment is a little bit coming off of a couple years or a couple seasons maybe of the opposite of like 
a lot of mac. What's the opposite of restraint? Well, I mean, it was a there were there was overwhelming. A, there was a uh, desire amount. to make like viral fashion shows and yeah. like mm-hmm. viral products. Yeah, you know that you would see, um, like, at a at the fashion show, and this totally makes sense because it's like these the companies started to put a lot more money and resources towards their menswear business right so then it's like you really want to make that pay off if you're Mm -hmm. gonna have like a million dollar fashion show show us what you can do yeah Yeah. a lot of a lot of shows this season and granted i wasn't in paris but a lot of them seemed more uh or less theatrical than Mm -hmm. um in seasons past a bunch of brands like returned to their ateliers and showed there and it was a lot more sort of simple classic uh, almost like white box shows basically that felt more intimate than they have been in the past few seasons which uh, obviously featured like so many just completely over the top insane million dollar shows and even like the Telfar show was like was really earthy mm-hmm. was really human you know really, like having all that really discarded gory. fruit yeah yeah that was in Florence right yeah probably the most dramatic moment of my fashion week experience was when um a model was walking around that the huge sort of circular table that served as the Telfar runway and just kicked this enormous like femur with the, <laughs> that the bone marrow had been scraped out of it this banquet the night before just kicked it onto the marble floor like right in front of me and just clattered wait so what happened there was a dinner the night <clears throat> before and they didn't clear the table yeah the dinner the so the um spiral theory test kitchen which is this um like queer experimental uh cooking collective or something created this humongous really sort of disturbing banquet um the night before for telfar and all of his friends and then they sort of just left the the leftovers which were like you know there was like a like this desiccated lamb carcass that had been fermented and then eaten um, don't you think that's pretty what? sam like listening to you describe this i didn't i wasn't like wild was, about that collection but listening to you describe it it is kind of a funny like telfar comment to be like oh you're just like coming to my leftovers mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, i think yeah, that's yeah. pretty badass you yeah, didn't well, go to the dinner no 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 like, the dinner was close to press invited. but yeah the whole point he said well you know we talked a few days before the show and he said that um he, he basically told me that you know he'd been given this massive palace and and pt when you show at pt womo um, PT offers you sort of to a, a, a number of different places you can show throughout Florence, which is just full of these like huge empty palaces and warehouses and stuff like that. And I think they were trying to push him towards sort of, you know, they offered him like a big warehouse space, sort of like um, where Stefano Pilati showed. And he was like, no, nah, I want, I want like the, the Medici palace, the palace basically. And he was like, yeah, you know, when, when you get a palace, you know, he was like, I want this to be a place where I can just hang out with my friends. I'm, I'm going to use it, use, you know, I'm going to use the palace. But it didn't really resemble the, like when you were there, it didn't remind you of the Raft show in New York where he did that like insane. Yeah, no, it, runway. it did. Yeah. But, but it was, conceptually it's quite different. Yeah. It that, didn't, it didn't, it didn't seem, it didn't feel like it was ref, in, intentionally referencing that in any way. It was much, um, also it was, it wasn't participatory. Do you guys have Telfar bags? Does anyone here own a Telfar bag? I don't. Popular I don't bags. Yeah. Yeah. People love the bags. I thought that was one of the coolest fashion stories thus far of 2020, that New York Magazine story yeah. about the Bushwick, the Bushwick Birkin. Birkin. The Bushwick Birkin. Yeah. It's a great, I mean, what a great coinage. Let's all, let's do our top three. Yeah. Top three. Can I get a top three sound top effect? Top three. Uh, maybe. Top three. Um, uh, who's gonna? We didn't. I always forget you're in Daft Punk. Yeah, we haven't discussed <laughs> a, a plan of attack here. 
trying to think of who should start. I think you could start, and then we'll go yeah. Sam, and then me. All right, I'm now, gonna. St- what? Sorry, can we just? Uh, uh, you want uh, some ground rules? I don't want. I don't need to have ground rules, but I just want to make it clear to our listeners what the terms are. All right. Are these three to one? We're counting down three to one. Yeah, count down. I don't know if I'm gonna rank mine. Mine. I don't are know all, if I can. Mine rank are mine three either. tied for one. But hey, it's very New York Times uh, editorial board of view. Top three. Top three is top three. I mean, maybe I'll. I'm not gonna rank them. In my mind, they're programmed in an order that makes sense. Okay. Okay. Um. There. Uh, okay. There are a lot of collections I really like this season, but the the bit the top number one standout to me, and this is the show I saw you right. Just, said you weren't gonna rank just hours <laughs> after uh, I landed in Paris was Rick Owens. Nice. Which uh, I didn't even. I checked into my hotel. I didn't even change clothes. I wore my airplane fit to the Rick Owens show. It was a nice fit, though. Thank you. You didn't look. Crustier. Oh, Phil took a pic. There's a picture of us in on Vogue that day. It's true. Uh, Rick always shows at that Palais de Tokyo, mm-hmm. which is what is? The, I mean, it's a museum. It's, it's a, a contemporary, contemporary art museum. A pretty sick contemporary really art museum. Really sick. Contemporary. The building's in sort of a strange state of like disrepair, right? Yeah, it feels a, a little, little bit like it was built during like a promising and exciting space age, and is like mm. now sort of like yellowing at the seams. Yeah, it has like classic element, but so it's also a very famous place uh, skate spot, like a one of the top most famous skate spots in Paris, if not the world. Um, Rick, uh, Rick does Rick. Uh, the thing this show was like colorful. There was a lot of like beautiful like cashmere one legged bodysuits. You could see a lot of men's junk, sort of pressed into them uh there were crazy monster shoulders there was uh just a onslaught of platform heel boots with uh i guess um what do you call it clear soles what is the um plexi soles or some kind of plexi sole and like metal kind of an ex- he 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 rolled these out I don't know. They're a couple, a few seasons, seasons old now, yeah. but these ones were sort of like uh, fully kitted out. A new um, twist on a new classic. The kiss boots. <clears throat> Those boots are so major. Yeah. An insane. They seem impossible to walk in, but then like friend of the pod, Steph Yaka has a pair of that. Yeah. You know, Everyone seems, says they're comfortable. The I mean, Mark and... Jacobs wears them and runs around in them. I talked to a kid who was in the show. Um, a model from like the Netherlands, one of those blonde kids, and he was like, "Yeah, they're insanely comfortable." I think everyone who's listening should go to their local department store this weekend and try them on. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us how they, how they feel. So Shout out the Netherlands, by the way. This show had a lot of we like a lot of sort there. of so insane color and um, volume. Yeah. And it was just a, and Rachel spoke to Rick. So Rachel is going to tell us some more. Um, I didn't speak to Rick, but I just feel like, a f- I mean, speaking of there's, there's restraint, which is, not not different not uh totally antithetical to like performance or um art or uh entertainment you know and i think that like rick owens uses the opportunity to have a runway show to do something that that feels like it's worthwhile for everyone there's like really good music there's crazy smoke machines there's an insane casting there's a i don't know if it's theatrical or just um it's just like maximum Rick mm-hmm. energy. He's mm-hmm. been doing this thing for a long time. He's a total master of it. And uh, I just found it immensely satisfying to watch and to see. And 
It's also, I feel like there's people like to ask the question of like wearability or like whatever. And it's just like such a good example of someone who has a huge commercial business and does something that feels really radical on the runway that frankly also sells or at least uh, appears to based on the the fans that come out. I mean, he has fans like no one else in yeah. fashion. Yeah. Is it's that the front row at the Rick show? Is it a lot of, I mean, obviously there's the usual sort of press and, uh, you know, fashion insidery suspects, but do a lot of customers and fans come out too? Yeah. Like fully yeah. like kitted out? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, Which is a very, it's funny because there's so much about Rick that feels like, it's not even like contemporary, but like really future, but yeah. he's actually like very traditional in certain ways. Like yeah. he, that, this idea of like having your like best clients coming to the show is like a very, very like old Parisian, like, yeah. you know, snobby fashion house. And he's not snobby at all, but he's also like so elegant. Yeah. He's amazing. I mean, the John Jeremiah Sullivan piece did s that we ran yep. like a, a year or so ago did such a great job of describing that. Like, that's right. If you were speaking to him, you would never be like, you know, we were all like, that collection was so sick. Yeah. You would never say that to him <laughs> because he's like, he's extremely erudite and yeah. very, very thoughtful. Yeah. And these, the body suits were sort of a nod to David Bowie mm -hmm. who had body suits made, had clothes by made Kansai by a, Yamamoto. Yeah. By a Japanese designer. You know, it's, it's not uh Rick Owens has sort of a reputation for doing a certain thing and, and, um, and he does a lot more than that. I thought this show was a great example of that. And um, God damn, it was just like really fun to watch. And it had nothing, I guess my reaction to it is a little bit like, this has nothing to do with me wanting to wear any of these clothes. It's like, mm -hmm. and um, it's the same as if you went to like a contemporary art museum. It, it, your relationship to the work in there is not whether or not you want those things in your apartment. It's yeah. not about if you want to own these things in some, you know, and again, Rick does have that commercial side of his business, which is insanely cool. But I think this was this was just that experience of like you're not sitting here thinking about wearing this stuff or imagining yourself in it necessarily. Mm -hmm. There's just th there, you know, each look is sort of like this masterpiece from a genius, and there's like a, a lot to appreciate and enjoy there. What did so you talk? You spoke to him after, yeah. Uh, so he was. He what did he say? He said the the collection was really. He was becoming less like self-centered and introspective mm -hmm. now that he's in his mid fifties and he feels like it should be, you know, um, he should be more, uh, trying to get himself to like participate in culture and, um, and that there's value actually in being really performative rather than simply kind of dressing in this like introspective way and how performance can be a kind of contribution. And of course, like, you know, that sounds a little theoretical, but what he was really talking about and what we got into was like the way that everyone takes like Instagrams of themselves, like everyone takes fit pics, yeah. you know? And so everyone is taking like selfies and fit pics and how, um, you know, in many ways that can be like cringy and torturous, but like also like what's so bad about it. And it, it, when it was, he was kind of wrestling with the ambivalence of like, is this good or is this bad? Yeah. Which I thought was really cool too, because so many other designers are like, you know, whether it's in the show notes or you're talking to them backstage or like, well, this was really a collection about how like I'm really worried about thing X and I really believe yeah. thing Y. Yeah. And he was coming from this place of creating these like exuberant uh, clothes 
out of his own discomfort and um, his desire to sort of celebrate these things, but also like, you know, also this maybe knowledge that he should be condemning them in some way or that they uh, they could be condemned in some way. So uh, my time in Paris was actually spent um, a lot uh, uh, pounding the pavement and visiting some of the smaller showrooms and designers. So my next two, Rick was my favorite of the major shows. Um, I guess I want to give a special shout out to that Vuitton show because the bag, there was something hugely satisfying about the bags, which were, were, you know, anatomically curved for uh, comfortable holding and carrying for his pleasure. And, um, that was like, you know, the Vuitton show, the Dior show, of course they're incredible. They were a little more restrained. They felt a little more commercial to me. Um, I had a really nice conversation with Kate Moss at the Dior show. That's great. It's good that you guys can catch up. Um, mm-hmm. Just kidding, I did not. But she had a conversation with someone else near me. Kareen. With Kareen Reutfeld, which um, someone else filmed. the another, Like a fan stood just next to them and filmed the entire thing with the flash on his phone. Like a psycho fan. Mm-hmm. If you whoever If that's a corporate lunch listener, please unsubscribe. That was very disrespectful. I just quietly eavesdropped and stared at Kate Moss. Um, <laughs> Sam, uh, if, I, if I had show? if I had been in Paris, I would have been that fan probably. My next favorite was Nicholas Daly, who so showed good. in London, and then brought his collection to Paris. And I spent some time hanging with him. He brought a crew of us to like an amazing West African restaurant one night for dinner, um, and he 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 brings this collection to paris you know for for the for a showroom at, at, after he's shown it in london and this was a really strong collection from him who i've been following we've been following nick's career sort of since the beginning i think um mm-hmm. we covered him in gq style very early oh, on um he's from the midlands i don't know what the midlands is i think maybe it's like the midwest of england the middle the the blue call the working class middle of England. Anyway, he's um, he's sort of a master. Like a lot of the the designers I follow, he's he's um, he's a real master of fabrics and a master pattern maker. He went to Central Saint Martin's and is is sort of a peer of like Grace Wales Bonner and Kiko and um, I don't know if they're what, all in the same class. Did you but feel like they're close? Did you feel like I uh, did you feel like this show was uh, like a big turning point for him? Or I like did. A game yeah. changer. Why is that? I just think he. I agree. Totally. <laughs> ste- so a few things. I mean, it has like an elegance and sort of like a different set of references. I think g- going back into the seventies, we like really opened some. Or like looking at the seventies opened some doors yeah. for him. I think, and I think. Um, I think he worked a lot on just developing patterns. I think he seems more comfortable with sort of tailored clothing, mm-hmm. uh, moving away from sort of the country stuff and the workwear. You know, he was uh, w- he worked at Dover Street for a while, and he saw and his his area of expertise was Junia, and I think his oh, first collections looked a lot like Junia. And I think I think this this feel, feels like way more expansive than that. Um, I mean, his personal style is incredible. He surrounds himself with incredibly stylish people. He hasn't an amazing eye he's Um, also it seems like this collection was like um he was really good at and i think he he gave an interview that spoke about this as well like being really immersive in his influences so it wasn't merely like 
you know, oh, I looked at old pictures of Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. It was like, I listened to Hendrix, but I was also listening to Miles Davis, knowing that Hendrix was listening to Miles Davis. Yeah. And that kind of, I think, uh, sort of immersiveness, like, makes, it just makes everything, like, so much richer and, like, yeah. more stylish in a way. Yeah, Nick is super smart, and he does think deeply in that way, and he, uh, music is, a, it's it's actually too bad I didn't see this in, in London, where he you know, has various performances and music is a big part of it. And, and his show is just one sort of piece of like an, an evening of events. Um, and he not, showed some nice uh, Adidas. Yeah. He's got I was Adidas. just going to say not to, not to um, take the most sort of superficial way into this collection, but the Adidas superstars that he did and the Adidas Sambas that Grace Wales Bonner did are, were both so sick. Yeah. And um, I think this fall is going to be real Adidas season. He had these amazing like crocheted accessories, all this like sort of marble dyed stuff that's that's really difficult to do. Amazing mohair plaids, like the styling is I think it's all styled by Stephen Mann, um, who's a great stylist, um, London based stylist, so everything looks really fly in the way that he he makes it look. Um what else do I want to say about Nick? Yeah, I just thought it was killer. It felt like a turning point. It's it felt elevated, it felt like he was pushing his pattern making and and um like opening some new doors i think for the collection i thought it was a goddamn banger and then my last one for now another small designer who i spent some time with um both these guys i i spent some a while hanging out in their showrooms and trying on their clothes and and having meals with them is um camille fortkins who um you know we've talked about a little bit on here and I think he also had a collection that felt like like a turning point Camille kind of came on the scene doing all these like unfinished hems and sort of Margiela-esque like bizarro normcore um super deconstructed just like showing the guts of garments things that almost seem like they're gonna sort of fall apart but are also really smartly constructed and and with you know kind of weirdly well well fitting and with um he works with a pattern cutter who who is i think incredibly good and is able to achieve some really unique stuff with her and this one was just like an extension of that what he's been doing a little bit but but brought a like a nice a finer finish to it and some real sort of like humor he does things like um he has a silk scarf that's just a white piece of silk that has printed on it a photo of another scarf so that you can, you know, like the fringe that's and so everything cool. is just like in the photo. That's so cool. Um, so it sort of like has some meta textual elements to it. There are fewer, you were kind of like pulling back on that deconstructed, like showing the guts of everything thing and, and finishing things a little bit nicer and, and pushing his development. He has like this vest, like a workwear vest and this like insane Chanel, like loose Chanel tweed with like metallic silver and gold and um, like so insane sick. textures in it. Is he, does he make stuff in Amsterdam or is that just where his studio is based? Um, no, I think he makes in various places in Europe, but yeah, he's based mm -hmm. in Amsterdam, which like any time an independent designer is based somewhere like not in a major city is pretty interesting because you know that, um, the, their costs are going to be so much lower in a set. Like his his project isn't. It it just feels really different. I think because he's in Amsterdam, it doesn't feel. Um, it just doesn't feel like it comes from the the high pressure, you know, New York or Paris or London atmosphere. Um, 
Evan also, Evan Canori, of course, the extremely good homie. And one, I mean, always one of the best collections are really strong one this time around. He walked in, he walked in Camille's show. So I recommend going on Camille's Instagram. Camille's show, I think is just on Instagram for now. It doesn't go up on Vogue runway or anything um, at the moment, which is insane. We're going to, of course, I'm going to have a conversation with Steph about this immediately. Um, so that's it for me. We got Rick Owens. Of course, the God from California working in Paris. We got Nicholas Daly from the Midlands working in in London, and we have uh, Camille Fortkins from from Amsterdam. The uh, Camille's Camille's the, casting was really good. The strange homie. With that, I pass the baton. <coughs> Those are my top threes. But again, there there were lots of good ones. Lemaire was really good. Yeah, that didn't was do great. any. What, he'll show it at women's or a, no showing. He used he to usually, do runways. The men's is usually just a lookbook from Lemaire. I thought Lemaire was killer. It's men's and women's mixed together. I thought. Um, I like the brown, that sort of like brownish, earthy palette that yeah. Lemaire did this season. This oh, I thought fall winter twenty is really great. I thought Craig Green was killer. Um, the those last looks in the Craig Green show, just like those sculptural tent mm-hmm. kind of pieces, are incredible. Incredible. He should have a. He should have like a. People always write. He should in, work with Gagosian or something. People always write in reviews of Craig Green shows that like people, you know, people in the audience tend to cry, cry at yeah. the end in that like emotional crescendo when he does show these like yeah. really massive, wild, um, uh, conceptual, sculptural pieces. And I want to know, like, is that actually true? Oh yeah. The Have story is that his first collection, which I think was his thesis from Central Saint Martin, was the first. It was like these like quilted like samurai suits or something. I mean, it was very much not dissimilar to what he does now in a sense. And that when at the finale, people cried, but I think it was just that one show. No, people cried at the one I went to. <laughs> yeah. That's I so think awesome. now people are faking it because of the story. <laughs> well, I think because you're like, Oh my God, this man is like, so it's like going to therapy, you know, and your therapist is like, why are you being so hard on yourself? Yeah. You need to be like more vulnerable. Like mm-hmm. the world is after you. And people are like, yeah, the world is after me. Yeah. I need a tent. Um, okay. I'll go next. Um, so I was not in Paris, but I went to, um, PT Womo in Florence. Don't be so hard on yourself, Sam. Noah once gave me great advice, which was that I've never given you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't write about clothes you haven't seen in person. Um, but I'm going to talk about clothes I haven't seen in person because <laughs> why not? It's a podcast. We got to get through this episode. Um, we got to do this somehow. So um, my third, I'm going to, I'm going to rank mine. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to uh, back down on this. Throw down. Number three for me was a collection um, by a guy named Raph Simmons. Um, it's pronounced Rafe. Rafe Simons. Um, you may have heard of him. I wore my Raph Simmons shirt today as a, uh, as a, as a sort of celebration of that spring summer 18 what's joy division substance joy division i think raf just made it up actually i don't know i don't think it actually corresponds to anything in real life i like the um, muffs so I like the boots yeah so when i heard that raf was going to was ending his partnership with adidas and was going to make his own sneaker collection called runners i was a little afraid that it was just going to be uh you know sort of oswego redux and raf the legend that he is uh debuted i think it was like right before the show actually started he posted on instagram his new runner sneaker collection which is actually just these really like elegant sort of petite 
ballet boot type things yeah that are so sick oh they're like booties they're little booties yeah they look like like the, like like snowboard boot liners almost but, but these really, kind of really look refined like, yeah and he did he, he did, did a real he did, sneaker he did a real yeah. sneaker he did some sort of stan smith um some you know private label stan smiths basically and he did a ballet flat with a small sneaker here mm-hmm. the booties though are the booties with are this great sneaker really here. major amazing and in the show wow. Every single one of the models wore the boots, and I love this collection because you mean Rath, these boots from the top. Yeah, yes. yeah, top, top row. Mm-hmm. Um, Rath, I think Rath's past few collections have been really good, but um, this one to me actually this 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 collection felt less commercial in a way that I really appreciated. Um, he really is like drilling down on this like beautiful, elegant, narrow silhouette. The pants were flared. The branding was all kind of was was pretty like limited to the muffs um which you know he'll, he'll, he'll make these like solo youth in nevada hoodies and t-shirts and stuff like that um but the actual coats and blazers and suits i think were just so precise and beautiful and the lines were amazing they're they're quite boxy um which he really emphasized with these like crazy fur like square or like fur rectangle attachments um and he wrapped some of the models in uh plastic which he told um, Tim Blanks was like a reference to some, you know, that like 89 Margiela show. Yeah. Um, Raph's done that before too. Didn't mm-hmm. that Calvin? He, he had did that at Calvin. His really famous coat at Calvin was a yellow fake fur. Mm-hmm. This Raph show just looked like so sophisticated. It looks like a collection from a much bigger brand. Yeah. Like it, you know, Raph is, you know, an independent. It's not a huge business. It's based in Antwerp. But this was, I mean, especially the development of the footwear, but... Um, it felt like he's uh, he's putting his independence and his sole focus on this collection for now to, to very good use. Mm-hmm. And apparently he um, he just hired uh, someone that he called like a, a pattern making genius from the University of Antwerp. Rachel, did you go to this? I don't think we I were did. in. You did go. Yeah. What was the vibe? What was the mood in the room? It was great. Everyone was like, what are these shoes going to be like? And then they saw them. Yeah. And, and they, they were like, like, these are pretty tight. Someone, I don't know, it's funny, like, all the menswear people are so, like, cynical at the moment about Raph. Like, some dude I was standing next to was like, oh, yeah, I think this is going to be inspired by youth culture. (laughs) 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 And then the first look that came out had the, like, solar youth thing, and he looked at me and was like... (laughs) But that's... that's Yeah, there has been a a little bit of cooling around raf i guess you know it's funny i but is that just on the secondary market i'm getting really sick of people only talking about designers on the secondary market and like how hype that how much like that yeah. determines the You're hype right i'm sorry i just did that no it's okay it's it's not you that's doing it like i think it's really important to like and so cool to like uh obviously this is it's not really related to like archival fashion it's more just like i feel like there's this whole culture of people right now who like forget that all these people are like still alive and making amazing clothes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. Like I you know, it's like sometimes people are like, "Well, Raf hasn't made a good sweater since 2001." It's like, "Well, maybe he's <laughs> doing other stuff now that's like much cooler. Like, why don't we check that out?" Yeah. It's like you were 3 years old in 2001. Don't worry. I was I was 10 years old or well, something. So yeah. if 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 I believe that Raf will end up taking another job and there were rumors abounding of course in europe you guys hear any good rumors i heard he's gonna replace macron (laughs) (laughs) yeah i heard um 
I can't think of a joke that's that good. But um, you know, it seems li- it seems the like rumors are yeah the rumor the rumor mill is working overtime. It seems likely he'll end up taking another creative direction job. It could be interesting if it's something slightly different um, than like just a head creative director role. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe somewhere in Italy. I hear he's going to come in and consult on corporate lunch. I don't know. He would be a great corporate lunch guest. He's actually very chatty, very talkative, and um, and pretty pleasant. It's just his dog that's really scary. Okay, number two show. Oh, I actually flipped the order here. Whatever. Come on, Sam. Um, no one would know, Number two man. show. Uh, Rachel still has to do her three. Out of PT, Random Identities, Stefano Pilati, a true proper legend in the biz he's extremely um, tight Pilati he was the designer of um, Saint Laurent for I think eight years um, before going to Xenia for like two or three and then he did what frankly we should all do move to Berlin that's where he started his new um, line which is called Random Identities and he does it with Essence and it's priced um, at a very reasonable price to move point. It's priced so to will, move. Will Essence only ever sell it, like in terms of wholesale? It's at Essence and Dover Street. Um, and I think can't you buy it on his website? Is that correct? Yeah, maybe. Um, and so, Pilati. So I I met with him the day before the show. I asked him why he wasn't, you know, having having spent time at two of the most sort of luxurious, high priced, and like these two brands that have you know have some of the most well-developed ateliers in the business and and really just make like ultra luxurious insane clothing why he wasn't that interested in doing that anymore and he said that it's no longer about me that he doesn't feel like he has anything to prove and that he wants to just make clothes for like his cool berlin friends who all walked in the show i think it was the best casting um of fashion week um and so he's making all these so he's making suits that are priced at like under $600 he's making trousers for like 200 bucks when it all comes together when all, you know when it all came together on the runway on his friends who he's making the clothing for the attitude and the vibe was just so strong it was some of the most badass clothing I've seen I also think that kind of clothing right now that sort of idea is really important mm-hmm. and isn't the sort of thing that we talk about in terms of like the mostly demented conversations about like ethical buying and like sustainable fashion but like the reason why so many people buy fast fashion is because they can't afford the good stuff and so it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. there aren't people like enough designers who are making clothes that's like that are that is that clothing that is like affordably priced but has this real fashion element to it so mm-hmm. i think that that's such a cool thing for him to do yeah i, I mean it's it's like it's sort of like Chris, you know, like Christophe Lemaire is at Uniqlo U doing this a little bit. That stuff is like very, compared to Lemaire, it's very, um, it's very basic, right? But Pilati is making stuff that's priced at like, I don't know, like J. Crew levels. You know, that'll get you into Bergheim. Like it's really like pretty aggressive um, stuff. But the ideas are very classic. So it's just like everything is given this sort of high fashion twist. Um, that high-waisted silhouette was really yeah cool. the silhouettes are are fire the fabrics <laughs> are really nice so he's ba- he's he's been able to like make all this stuff at an accessible price point because he has all these super long-standing relationships with producers in europe right um a lot of it you know most of it's made in italy at least the tailoring is all made in italy he um, has amazing taste and amazing style yeah and his own personal style is just on a trillion i saw him at the dior show and i was like holy shit he was in this like white overcoat 
it looked amazing. Um, anyway, story. so that show was tight. Check it out. Um, also, read Sam's story. Read my story. Read Sam's story. For more on the God. And my favorite show was Bodie. Yeah. 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 I think Emily just, I mean, friends of the pod, you know, podcast listeners are very familiar with Emily's work at this point. Um, I think she just she just really knows what men want to wear right now. This show I think of killer. I think of all the collections in Paris, like this stuff is going to be the most like people are going to be wearing so much of this stuff. They're going to be wearing all of it. Did you uh, um, Sam and Emily are pretty tight. Did you have you talked to her about this collection yet? Or I haven't talked you, to her specifically. Talked to her about while it. she was working on it about what she was. Um, I have. I did not talk to her. Did you talk to her after the show, mm-hmm. Rachel? I did like the group interview, mm-hmm. but it was inspired by the guy who's the partner of Green River, Green yeah, River yeah, Project yeah. with with her fiance Aaron. Yeah, he was at uh, Ben Bloomstein, wasn't he at that dinner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think I, I mean I think Emily's like she's striking this really amazing balance between these super wearable like utilitarian silhouettes and this idea that like men want to dress you know, in this sort of sensitive way. It's and extremely elegant. Yeah. It's just sort of, it's the kind of thing you see where like you feel embarrassed about like the dumb stuff you own or have worn. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh yes. Like that is just like, you know, it's when you sit next to some like when you sit next to someone at dinner and like they're so smart and they've read like everything and you're like, eh, like I don't have anything to say. I'm so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and her, you know, I think I think a few like specific things here have really, you know, she's really every season she's getting better. But the knitwear looks amazing this time around. Um, she's really like, you know, she's developed a bunch of new silhouettes. There's a new coat silhouette, a new yeah, blazer like silhouette. There's a slightly longer trouser, which I'm into. I find this collection more than any like more appealing shapes than than Mm -hmm. what I've seen before. Just like sort of for me personally. Also, she's making clothes that are really, these clothes are really hard to make. Oh yeah. Like in a high quality way. Um, I've been to the factory that makes her pants and, and talked to them a little bit about it and seen, seen how they do it. And it ain't easy. And she's achieving, uh, pretty solid results with some really tricky. And I believe this is the first time she, I, the she's shown um, collections with these like ballet slipper type things before, but I believe that these ones are actually of her own she's gonna creation. Them? So I believe she's going to uh, produce these Bodhi house slipper. That's um, tight. Well, can things. I? Can you blow them up? I want to see one. I wonder who's making them. There are some that have little animals. Whoa! Yeah, oh, the, an- like the ones with like the little animals. Or they have charms. a back. They maybe they're. They have a back. They have a back. They're like opera pumps almost. Damn. And then the, there's also like a little low clog that's that she like in the show. There's like a jelly sandal. Let yeah, the see. jelly sandal. You know where that's from? Where? It's from Salter House on Atlantic. Oh. Probably just that leather opera shoe is hers, not the, yeah. not the clog. Yeah, no, the clog is Salter House. The clog is? That, yeah. That leather mm-hmm. clog? It's not leather. It's like rubber. Oh. Speckled. It's a gardening shoe. Yeah, it's I a think. gardening clog. Gardening is the next. I know. Everybody's just fucking- save that for vibes. Gardening. I'll throw it in vibe. Rachel? Okay, I can go really fast. No. First, oh, or I can t- go really slow. I can to say. show people, people want you. I can show a restrained, more commercial perspective on my thoughts. Um, okay, so f- this is in no order at all. I really liked Prada. Prada. The reason I liked Prada is you because you love men's arms. I love just seeing a long sort of 
weirdly thin arm <laughs> just poking out from a slightly uh, too tight sweater vest bunched at the waist. That's what I like. That's what I'm into. Everyone knows that. It's all over Reddit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weird sweater vest freaks. I'm on that page. It's all pictures of me looking at sweater vests. The sweater vest is probably the single most... I'm I'm, I'm bullish on sweater vests. That's all I'll say. Me too. Also because you can wear one under a, a suit. Yeah. Can't wear like a full cardigan. You can under wear a suit. them all the time. You can wear them every day. Like just you can wear them in the shower with jeans. That's like a big model style right yep. now. In like the off pool. duty, like male model, like cool model guy is just like sweater vest, no tee. Yeah, Ugh. I can you know, never drapey trouser. But you do a sweater vest with a t shirt. Yeah. a lot, and yeah. that looks plain really white cool. tee. That's cool as well. Okay, so why did I like Prada? Well, that's a great question, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Let me answer it. <laughs> So what I liked about that Prada show is that it was extremely straightforward and it was the kind of the first show of the season that was like that, although certainly a theme that other designers picked up. But it was like, you know, and I I wrote a piece about it or about the show that sort of describes this in more detail. But essentially, like, I've just been getting so sick recently of like whenever you're on the subway and you see these ads that are like in the same color palette and you have no idea what they're selling, but they're like unique value brand principle and you're like i don't know what the product is but i'm being told to like believe in these things um and then you go home and you google it and it's like toothpaste and you're like how is toothpaste supposed to mean all of that and i just find that kind of thing so obnoxious so instead she just like she really just showed like great clothes like why don't and and the whole collection also was about as she was explaining um, backstage to, I guess, like a bunch of uh, fashion reporters that it was about like men at work and the kind of just dignity of doing your job. And again, I was like, that's so refreshing that like, I don't have to have a personal brand. I don't have to like be like the best person at my office. Like it's totally fine to just like show up at work and like read a couple of books, like, you know, every month and go to some museums and like wear some nice clothes. And that's like totally fine. She has some of the most interesting thoughts on masculinity today. The hot button issue that everyone wants to ask designers about, everyone wants to talk about. And like, I just want to hear from this, you know, how old is she? She's in her 50s. Yeah, maybe her 50s, 60s. 60s year old, former communist, um, you know, industrial heiress, fashion designer. Yeah, you're not getting any like empty platitudes from her really, right? I mean, yeah. it's all pretty. Yeah. She's thinking about stuff. Yeah. What did she say? The the dignity of work? Yeah. Oi. I got to work. But on it's that. not even like the dignity <laughs> of work. It's just like the dignity of showing up to your job. Right? Yeah. And like looking nice. Which all you right. do. You show up and you look nice. Yeah. We're really exploring the dignity of podcasting right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, keep that in mind. The other so the the second collections, it's a tie between Jonathan Anderson and Jonathan Anderson. Hey. I think because I hadn't seen I've seen a bunch of his women's wear collections like uh or women's wear shows, but I hadn't uh seen a men's wear show of his before, so maybe mm. this was all like clearer to everyone else. But this just like really crystallized for me like this is the next guy. He's like so mm-hmm. he's yeah. I guess he's 34, 35, but uh, he's like going to be the <clears throat> you know next like big giant house is going to hire him. Yeah. Um I mean Louis is not giant, but 
Yeah, I mean, it's big. Pr- he already yeah. had, he's already also it, just proving that he can do two jobs at an insanely high level. Yeah. And I think he's so, he doesn't seem like he's overworking himself. I think he's just so curious. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think he just has all these bizarre passions and he's like pretty obsessive. Um, and, you know, he's, he's really well spoken and, and just, you know, again, he's like really curious. So he's just able to like dive into all these things and, or at least he's assembled, possibly assembled like a really strong team underneath him and can sort of like explain these things. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to me the, um, the smock dress moments in yeah. Leve? Those, I, th- I thought those were really intriguing. So he was thinking about, he was saying after the show, he was thinking about 50s ball gown shapes. Like he had looked at a lot of these like old, like sort of couture photographs. And he was thinking about um, kids, like young boys playing dress up. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was really kind of the through line of the show. And so the idea was just that like, what would that dress have looked like if you were like a little boy trying it on? And so it was, it's it's on an apron that just Mm -hmm. slings over your neck. And then I think there's a tie in the back. So it's almost like throwing a dress on top of what you're already wearing. And this, the, the, that idea of like, you know, men sort of dressing up and like really playing with clothes was like one that a lot of designers had mm-hmm. and ironically runs somewhat counter to like what Prada was doing. It's like a counter narrative, but yeah. he did the best version of that. I thought he and Rick Owens had like kind of the best ideas about this like performance fashion. That was, mm-hmm. it was really fun. Um, and he's just like, he shows, I, I don't know, like no designers have like a sense of humor anymore. And he's just like, really, he put like a, like giant geese on a shirt which I thought was funny. I mean, the ball dresses are like a pretty funny. Yeah, the goose shirt is good. Sort of a thing. Um, Loewe has been like one of the most amazing like developments over the last like since. I mean, he, that that line, that collection was totally obscure. I mean, it's like a Spanish leather house or something. I'd never even really heard of yeah, it I think, until he took I over. I think it was used to be run by Stuart Weavers. Oh, really? Yeah, before him. But LVMH has owned it for a while, right? I don't think so. Didn't he launch Ready to Wear there? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. Well, it's killer. I think there was one or two. There were one or two designers there before him. But he he really like put it on the map. Yeah. Okay, and then my favorite show. I mean, I was said I wasn't ranking things, but, but I you guess did. my favorite show was Yoji Yamamoto. What yes. a king. Because it get, it goes again back to like this idea of like what Prada was doing but it's a less seasonal version it's like his entire passion of his career has been this like anti-fashion anti-trend he said backstage he like hates what's happening in fashion right now he feels so hurt and so upset and angry about (laughs) the system of fashion and so this collection was about how he's no longer anti-trend anti-fashion he's like a partisan who's on a totally different side than everyone else whoa yeah. Wait, he hates what's happening in like in the industry, like as yeah. a business. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he also just doesn't like the clothing that's being shown right now. He's a master. There's so much to appreciate about Yoji yeah. Yamamoto. And he's also someone who I like that what I was talking about a few minutes ago with like people looking only at like the archives rather than the current yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. People love to talk about old Yoji. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, the old good. Yoji is like so amazing, but I think there's also like a way to engage with what he's doing now and 
What what was in this collection? A lot of black. It was a lot of black. There was a really there were really nice like pant silhouettes that were just a little bit short, like a little tiny bit cropped. Those were those like boiled wool. That's yeah, what it looked like to me like the sort of cropped pleated boiled wool, wool trousers. Mm-hmm. So good. And then um, black overcoats, like a ton of black overcoats, little. Berets. Did some of them say, did, was there like a, a coat or something that said Naughty Yoji on the yeah. back? I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah. Um, and what, that's the thing is, that it's about? like, it's very, um, well, because he really thinks of, yeah, he thinks of himself as being, you know, mischievous and, and yeah. he's also very funny. He's, he's someone who like demonstrates the, like the way to make straightforward but still like incredibly like mind bending and weird clothing that isn't minimalist. Yeah. Which is cool. The layering God, the tailoring God. He's so good at so many different things. Yeah. Knits are the knits in this collection. are. He had this cool, this cool few. Yeah. Like handful of looks where the, this, the, the deacon, like the falling apart sweaters were on top of suits. Yeah. Which was really cool. So good. Um, and then the, all of the all of the overcoats had these like really cool system of like pockets yeah. that made them into these like almost like a cabinet of curiosities. So it's like there were newspapers and like magazines and like trinkets tucked <laughs> inside yeah. of the coats, which you could only see when like the models like put their hands in their pocket or like turned in a certain way. Yeah, very, very like post-apocalyptic in that way too. Mm-hmm. Everything's a little. I think the models like faces were dirty. Yeah, yeah. They look a little bit like they're like crawling out of the ashes of some fallen society. Yeah, that collection feels like a statement where, you know, Yoji was looking at how, uh, how hype his uh, archival stuff has been getting, and he was like, "Look, motherfuckers, I'm still doing this shit." Like, this collection. Why don't you check out? Knows. Why don't you check out? New I think he doesn't best. even care. I'm sure he doesn't because it's way cooler to not. Know. This is the best collection I've ever seen. It's so good. The look with the overalls and the overcoat and. All right, we're getting kicked out of here. No, we we're gotta, just, we we're just all on up. our phones looking at uh, Vogue Runway slides. Looking at you As you Vogue. should. Um, what were your favorite dra- uh, shows of the season? Call call us. Call in. Call today. Call in today. We're open 24 Call in 7. now, and uh, we'll see you next time. Episode 80 coming at you soon. Please um, tell a friend who, who maybe has great style or maybe has really whack style to listen to us. Tell your parents. Um so that you can connect with them and have something to talk about, uh, to listen to Corporate Lunch, write write a review on Apple and subscribe and um, be yourself. Help us, help us spread the word and uh, be yourself. Episode eighty coming soon. Sam, you got any final notes, thoughts? Yeah, if you write a review and like a good one, not a shitty one, and screenshot it and DM it to me, I'll like reply to one question or something. <laughs> Damn, I thought you were gonna like. Send some I'll stickers. Send, or I'll send yeah, a rare. We I'll don't. We still have a Noah bunch of Johnson fit pick. Don't we have a bunch of really dope tie dye GQ style stickers somewhere? Yeah, but mailing them is really. Oh tedious. come on! We'll get somebody else to do it now that you're. A hot okay, shot. fine. Maybe I'll send you a sticker. All right, bye.